Hey everybody, welcome. Let's just be honest. We're going to talk about life on mission. Let's just be honest. We're, we, I never look forward to changing my clocks in the spring, right? You know, because you're losing that hour. Um, the fall part's okay. I don't mind that. But I don't think really anybody could have expected that when we changed the clocks this year, we would go from standard central zone to the twilight zone, right? And yet here we are. Someone observed that half of us are going to come out of this quarantine as amazing cooks, and the other half will come out with a drinking problem. Um, and somebody else said many of us need to practice social distancing from the refrigerator. I, I'm, I'm there with you. Thank you. I'm, I'm here all week. Try the veal. I, I'm, I'm with you, okay? So at this point, we have two options, basically. I can continue in the vein of what we have been doing and try to help you cope with the crisis in our lives, which is unprecedented. Many of my pastor friends are doing that, and I don't blame them. The other option is to start looking past this and to be prepared for what might happen on the other side. And that's what we've decided to do. I'm not a cup half empty kind of guy, okay? It's just not how it goes for me. <clears throat> and if you heard my Easter sermon, which as Pastor Todd said last week, may have been heard by twice as many people or more than any Easter sermon I've ever done before because of this online situation. If you heard that, you heard me talk about how this is the first time, at least since the Spanish flu 100 years ago, that we've really experienced Easter like the first church did. And so that got me thinking, like back to the first Easter, because Jesus rose from the dead, and that's the end of the gospel account. Accounts. But then we pick up the book of Acts, which is the beginning of the church. And the gospel writer Luke basically writes part one is Luke and part two is the book of Acts. And he says this, <clears throat> after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So after that, they waited another 10 days approximately because it 50 days happened. Pentecost happened. There was a festival for the Jews that happened 50 days after Passover. And 50 days after the resurrection was Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place <clears throat> and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in languages as the Spirit enabled them. And when the day of Pentecost came, Peter got up after this and preached and 3,000 people got baptized and the church was off and running. It was like the big bang of the church, if you will. I'm pretty sure no preacher has ever said that before. That was weird. So guess what? The day of Pentecost 2020 is May 31st on our calendars this year. The anniversary of the day the church began. It'll be the last Sunday of this series. And as it turns out, <clears throat> according to what we know now, will be the last day of shelter at home in Illinois. And we will pray that God will allow the same experience to happen to us that happened 2,000 years ago 
when the church got started. See, this 50-day thing in between the resurrection and the Pentecost was the time when God was preparing his people to launch the new kingdom. The new era of salvation that did not come from any merit, that any works that people had done. It came through the death of Jesus on the cross. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, and God and man were united. Da Vinci painted it this way. This is what God wanted in the first place, okay? The relationship that God wanted since the creation of Adam is now available for everyone. So what should we do during this 50-day period? I mean, we're not going to be meeting again by May 31st, but that doesn't matter. Hopefully, somewhere around May 31st, we'll get out of our Hotel California and be with people again. And we need to pray and ask God for His Spirit to be breathed on us and help us prepare for the masses of people that are going to be looking for direction as we crawl out of our holes and hopefully don't see our shadow again and have to go back in for six more weeks. Jesus told all the disciples before he left, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Underline power there. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That power, that Holy Spirit power, that's what I'm looking for. I don't necessarily look for a tongue of fire to appear on my head, but I want to speak in a language that everyone can understand. And you're going to need to do that too, because guess what? Our church is no longer full of Southsiders anymore. We're a global church now. And more importantly, we are part of the big C global church. And everybody is going to be speaking a different language as we emerge from this pandemic. We will be witnesses to our Jerusalem, our Southside Chicago, but now also to the uttermost parts. What I'm saying is that as the church, we have to be ready. What I'm saying is that for you and me, it's time to put our pants back on, at least our jeans, because your pajama pants are lying to you, okay? And it's time to get ready to go back out into public and be a witness of Jesus, a witness of the power of Jesus and his peace. I started the book Life on Mission this way. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Famous tagline from the TV show Mission Impossible when I was a kid and the Tom Cruise movies. And what I noticed was that, interestingly, there was never an episode where the agent said, you know, I'm not feeling this. I think I'll go get a pizza. The assumption is that if you're an agent, you're going to take the job, which is your mission. If you want to sit around all day and not do anything and work for the government, then you can go to the DMV. But if you're an agent, you do the mission. And Jesus said the mission was to seek and save the lost. That's what he gave his life for. And the reason that we are here is because we are supposed to be witnesses and help him with that mission. Because that's the only thing that matters. So listen, if you're new to our church family and you feel like you're one of those prodigals I talked about at Easter... Welcome. We want to help you. You are our priority. And then the next day, after you and your father have been reinstated and you have that party with your family, you should be out telling everybody else how great your dad is. Don't you think that's what the prodigal son did after he came home? 
And here's what supremely blows my mind, you guys. I've used this graph that I got from my friend Kevin Penry over six years ago. It's our timeline of when we live, right? Yellow band represents the, the timeline, 50 years on either side of, of 2000. And here's the graph of world population superimposed on top of that. Look at the time that we live in and how many people there are to reach, to be witnesses to. And then what happened? And COVID-19 happened and it forced the world online. And here we are, not just with more people to reach, but with a more effective way to do it. I don't know why God caused me to be alive in this period of history. Why not my dad's generation? He was a pastor. Or why not my grandfather's or the Middle Ages or the future with flying cars and dogs named Astro? I don't know. It feels like a weight sometimes, but God also made me a high D, type A, Enneagram 8, let's go charge the hill kind of person too. So I know I'm born for this time. And hey, don't forget you guys, we prayed. <laughs> We prayed for God to enlarge our territory back in January. Could we have imagined? The goal was to just be witnesses, okay? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem close by, Judea, Samaria, not too far away, and the ends of the earth. We call that a mission. And if you didn't get a book yet or a small group guide, you can get one. Um, join us. We'd love for you to start a group, love for you to get in a group. Obviously, we're still doing them on Zoom, and it's a great way to go. Just go to parkviewchurch.com slash L-O-M, Life on Mission. You can get all the resources on there. Uh, most everything, uh, I think everything is free, except you can't get the book for free, but you can get that on Amazon or pastors.com. You can get the Kindle version. Uh, I'm actually working on doing an audio version so that I can release it out to you as well. That'll be free also. Nobody's going to make any money off of this stuff. We just want to get the resources out there. And look, you may be here today and not be a believer or you're not even sure about this Jesus thing. Let me assure you that if that's true, I'm pretty sure the reason you feel alienated from Jesus in some way is because nobody told you about the real Jesus. To quote the famous theologian Miranda Lambert, I heard Jesus, he drank wine, and I bet we'd get along just fine. He could calm the storm and heal the blind, and I bet he'd understand a heart like mine. You know what? She's dead on. The problem is that the church can't keep the mission straight. Just like in Jesus' day, the religious leaders start to think that their goal is to keep people out instead of helping people get in. Here's the problem. When the world sees Jesus, they love him. They see Jesus on the cross dying for them. Whether they believe it or not, they love him. He's love. But when they see the church, they see this. Scarecrow, stay away from our church. We don't want you here. So our first goal in Life on Mission is simply to knock the scarecrow down and connect with the people who don't know that God loves them. And if that's you, welcome to church. Let me demonstrate with a story from Matthew 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. 
all right? Backstory is uh, the tax collectors just set up a booth somewhere and collected taxes. That's how it went. It was a bridge or a border somewhere, and you didn't have any choice but to pay them. And the problem is they ripped people off while they were doing it. And the government knew they did, and they just didn't care. Picture Monty Python and the Holy Grail, if you will, okay? Answer me these questions three. That's where they're at, right there. And Matthew is there. He is a Jew who has sold out his own people. As a matter of fact, tax collectors always had their own category. Have you ever noticed that? If you've read the Bible, it's the sinners and the tax collectors. Like, they're not just sinners. They're sinners, and then there's tax collectors. They were worse because they ripped off their own people. True Jews would have nothing to do with an, anybody who had an allegiance to Rome. They actually would forbid tax collectors even going to church in that day. And what does Matthew do? It says he got up and followed Jesus. Why? Well, here's what you need to know. The farther a person is from God, the more they realize they need him. You know you do, don't you? It, it really, it, it, is it really that easy, PT? Yeah. A hundred times, yes. But, but Tim, I'm far from God like right now. How could, I, how, how could it be that easy? I'm still doing the stuff that's bad. Guess what? Matthew wasn't a former tax collector. He was currently a tax collector. So what happens to the disciples? We don't have any record of this. I just would have liked to have seen the look in their eyes when they realized that instead of Jesus yelling at that low-life tax collector, he invited, them to, invited him to follow them. And then it dawned on them, wait a minute, that means coming with us. We don't want that guy hanging out with us. We don't want those people at our church, scarecrow. Most of them may have been lowly fishermen, but on the list of people who deserve to be with God, they were still above tax collectors. I mean, I'm making this up, but, but, but people who deserve to be with God in everybody's category back then would have been Pharisees. They were the religious people and the teachers of the law. And then like, you know, doctors and nurses, because we always love you guys. And then normal people. And then fishermen would have been under there. And then sinners and then prostitutes and then tax collectors and then Cubs fans. What? Is baseball still too sensitive right now? I need baseball. Hey, I'm just saying that the Cubs haven't won a game yet and the Sox are undefeated. Okay. What I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, what I'm telling you is that church people are going to be uncomfortable as long as we're doing our mission. And Jesus doesn't even say anything to this guy. He doesn't even give Matthew a punch list. Matthew, here's the deal. Follow me and change your life completely right now because, you know, we're like Christians. We don't drink, smoke, or chew or go with girls who do. You have to quit your job. You have to go to be a missionary in Africa. Stop watching Tiger King and Ozark. No, no, nothing's in here. No record of this. Why? Because Jesus wasn't inviting him to a religion. He was inviting him to a relationship. And then it gets crazier. In another one of those, boy, I wish the Bible gave us more information, verse 10, it tells us that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, what? Now they're at Matthew's house? What happened? I don't know. My guess is that Matthew said, Jesus, yeah, I'll follow you. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, I'm hungry. Let's eat. And Matthew says, hey, 
I don't know if you know this, but all the restaurants are closed because of the coronavirus, but you could come to my house. And by the way, can I invite some friends? We'll have a party. And Jesus says, yes. I mean, I can only make that up because they're all there. The greatest day of Matthew's life is now happening. He has purpose. He has meaning. Like five minutes after meeting Jesus. And that's exactly what's available to you. But like all sinners, the only friends he had were other sinners. So Jesus goes to a sinner party. There's no other way to say it. Can you imagine the scene? Matthew's running back and forth to the kitchen, making sure everybody's looked after, listening to the conversations, restocking the beer cooler. You know, there's non-Christian music on the stereo because Matthew hasn't even heard of Lauren Daigle yet. He doesn't know there's Christian radio stations. Music's thumping in the background. Right foot up, left foot slide. Left foot up, right foot slide. The Bible says, <laughs> it says many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. This is the Bible's way of saying Jesus was at a naughty people party. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said, why is your teacher at a naughty people party? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus responds, that's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. See, the church is supposed to be a hospital. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If I can paraphrase this, uh, you have it all wrong. My goal, guys, was not to have these fake little holy people like you that hang out in their church box and burn their TVs and their devil music. I came for the people on the outside, the ones that you're having trouble letting in. Jesus spent most of his time with the people who were the farthest away from God. And here's what I'm telling you. When you emerge from your cocoon, you are going to find a lot of people who are desperate for hope. They're out there right now, and guess what? You have their number. You have their social media contact. You can't go see them yet, but they're going to be looking for hope like never before, and maybe they are right now. What if you just called them up and said, hey, how's it going? Can I pray for you? Hey, what can I do for you? They may be a person who never you never thought would be open to coming to church, but they might come to online church with you. Or talk about God. So all I'm saying is week one is connect. Just connect. Don't preach. Please don't talk about politics. Just be a friend and connect. Again, maybe that is you and you have just started joining us online and you're thinking, I know they can't see me over here behind my computer or my TV or my phone in my pajama pants. But would they really be open to having me join them in this journey to find hope and peace? Listen, whoever you are, Jesus wants me to tell you that we'd not only be open, <laughs> you are why we exist. Join us. Let us know. Reach out to us wherever you're watching this right now. Text need peace to us, and, and, and we will get in contact with you. We want to help you.
And Parkview people, I want to encourage you with something. Some of you just took the cross thing to the next level and way to go. People have been sending me pictures of crosses in everybody's yards. I've even had people say, I met my neighbors the next block over. I didn't even know they went to Parkview, but they had a cross in their yard. So let's do this. Take your cross that you made back in Palm Sunday and go stick it out in your landscaping. Stick it out in your yard. Put it out there. If you didn't do one, just two pieces of wood. You don't have to go to the hardware store. Just two pieces of wood. Put it out there. Make your own. Use some duct tape. Put a nail in it, whatever. And put it out in the yard as a way of saying, hey, we're here for you. Hey, we believe in this Jesus. Maybe you can connect with people through that along the way. I'd love to see crosses up all over the world. And especially in the south suburbs because that's our priority. When I think about this, my passion for this goes back to being a dad, because the reason I know this is important is because dad is missing his lost children. And if that's you, I want you to know he misses you. He wants you to turn around and come home. I I, was magnified to me when my oldest daughter, who is now, or my youngest daughter, who's now, 28 um, was um, lost as a four-year-old on the beach one day. All the other cousins were older and and we were in North Carolina. Just she got separated. She went back to our campsite where we were and and got coming back and, and just missed us. And, and it was back obviously a long time ago. It was back before uh, cell phones. So we alerted the lifeguards. And we left a big pile of people where they were. And I told my wife to run up that way. And I decided to run down this way. And that feeling, you parents know it if you've lost a kid, even for a minute in a supermarket. It's terrifying. So I ran. And when I say I ran, I mean I could have won an Olympic medal because I was motivated to find my lost child. And sure enough, I was the lucky one because I found Becca. She was half a mile down the beach just wandering. I'd stop and ask, and nobody seemed to have seen her, but she was there. And you know what the feeling is when, when, when you're, you know, emotional as a parent and your kid's there, and, you know, she's four, so you know you can't really yell at her, so you're just like, Hi, Becca, how are you? What you doing down here? You know, you just want to yell and scream because there's relief and there's angst and anger all rolled up into one. And I composed myself pretty well. But you know what she did? As soon as she saw me, she started crying. Why? Because she knew she was lost. As soon as Matthew got the invitation, he dumped his old life and started following Jesus. Why? Because he knew he was lost. And if that's you, please know we are running towards you. We want to help you. Your father misses you. It's the deepest feeling anybody ever feels in the world. Your father's love for you. My problem at that point was I knew that my wife was dying a slow death up the other way, not knowing that Becca was safe. So I put her on my shoulders and ran back up the other way until I found Denise because My responsibility at that point was to connect the lost parent with the lost child. And that's where we are. And I hope that you will join us. 
Father, I just want to pray that you'll be with us as we understand your heart. And forgive us as church people when we forget what we're supposed to be about. And be with us as we have another month of this shelter at home thing going. And we're all really, really tired of it. But will you prepare us during this time so that when we emerge, we launch revival. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.